Welcome, everyone. Welcome to the Virtual Physiatry Mentors. I'm Dr. Sheena Buba. I'm Dr. Benicia Williams. And together we are... Yeah. <laughs> All right. So today we have our very first return um, guests, Dr. Nicolette Finger and Dr. Charles Kenyon. Dr. Finger, I think, was our third episode talking about matching into PMNR, gave some great advice um, in that show. And then Dr. Kenyon was in our 12th episode talking about involved in PM&R, um, kind of what it's, what it's like being a chief resident. So we'll be, it'll be nice to kind of catch up and see how their years have been going. So welcome back guys. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having us. Yeah. Thanks yeah. for having us. We're so excited to catch up with you guys. Um, <laughs> so I'll let you guys both kind of introduce yourselves. Tell us where you're from, what, where you're at for residency, and um, then we'll go from there. So Nicolette, if you want to start. Yeah, so my name is uh, Dr. Nicolette Finger. It's still weird putting the doctor in front of my name. Um, so I consider myself a Texan, though I moved around growing up, but went to undergrad at UT Austin, went to um, TCOM at University of North Texas Health Science Center for medical school. And then now I'm in a categorical PMNR program at UT San Antonio. So um, that's why I consider myself a Texan. I think I've been here long enough. I can say that I that <laughs> I am one. But yeah. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, I'm really excited, and I love being in the in the categorical program. So awesome, um, and uh, yeah, Nicolette, I definitely uh, empathize. I mean, Benicia and Sheena <laughs> kind of know me as Charlie, but I, I similarly like had trouble with the doctor thing. So I started introducing myself as Charles as a, uh, you know, kind of intermediate, but um, as you go along, you used to kind of settle into the, the doctor role a little bit. <laughs> um, but uh, I'm, uh, I'm Charles Kenyon. I'm originally from the Seattle area and then uh, did my undergrad at Colorado College where I played lacrosse out there and um, did a series of internships uh, in sports performance and ended up uh, lucky enough to work for the Seattle Mariners for a few years and uh, did, while I was doing that did a master's degree in kinesiology through AT Still University before finding my way down to uh, Fort Worth, Texas uh, and did medical school uh, out there and consider myself a Texan long enough that uh, it's okay to say y'all since I was down there for five <laughs> years so I brought that back to the northwest uh, when I came back to the University of Washington uh, for residency after doing my internship at Baylor Scott and White in Temple Texas uh, and um, recently in the last couple of weeks found out that I'll be going out to Emory for my ACGME uh, accredited uh, sports medicine fellowship uh, and will be one of the first few uh, residents or fellows through there to do a two-year uh, research and leadership track so very excited for that opportunity and be a great uh, opportunity to you know connect with uh, a unique opportunity to connect with some old mentors out there and uh, get some great relationships but we're hauling the family across the country so we're taking this week and celebrating uh, up in the Cascades got a little cabin outside of Leavenworth so uh, oh, nice. that's the reason for the mountain grooming we're out skiing this morning it was, it's been good but thanks for having us if you're gonna do it do it right yeah gotta go big <laughs> gonna go big or go home as you had mentioned you know we have known Dr. Kenyon Charlie as a since a medical student and we're super excited to kind of see where this is going to where this is going to take you and congrats again on matching to sports medicine fellowship over at Emory. So um, our main talk today is going to be on 
um, how to finalize your rank list. We know that um, rank list is due in March, um, but Charlie, since you're here, we can kind of just briefly talk about just kind of sports medicine um, matching in the ACGME fellowship. I know we've had a few um, people already kind of go into more detail about it, but kind of just briefly talk about your experience. And I actually didn't know about this two-year fellowship at, at Emory. So if you can kind of go into a little bit of detail about kind of what, what that is. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, and interviewing during a pandemic too, right? <laughs> you're like, you're the first yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, most of the audience, I'm assuming, you know, has just gone through the same experience of doing the virtual interviews and everything um, and then just a, a few more like disclaimers about my background and, and I guess bias that uh, I am one of the chief residents out at uh, University of Washington you know, so we're a big uh, academic medical center um, regional medical center and, and take care of a lot of uh, both medically and socially complex patients out there um, and then last year I was the president for the APMNR fit council um, and uh, at annual assembly transition over the past present role for the council. So we just had our la uh, first meeting of the year last year. It was great to connect with everybody, um, but it's uh, you know transitioning more in that advisory role is uh, definitely a, a different skill set. Um, but in terms of just sports medicine in general, like I said, after I um, graduated from undergrad, uh, I was out in Colorado Springs for my undergraduate program. It was always kind of from very early stage uh, interested in uh, sports science and sports performance. Um, so what brought me out to Colorado Springs partially was that the National Strength Conditioning Association was out there, the Olympic Training Center was out there, and kind of recognized that a lot of those resources were going to be uh, available. Um, so we didn't have a, a sports science major, but I dabbled and did some independent research projects, and afterwards did an internship first at in Dallas, actually, at Cooper Institute at uh, Cooper Aerobics, working in the Health and Fitness Center there, doing some preventive medicine. And then went out to Santa Barbara, California for about a year and interned at Peak Performance Project, which does a lot of uh, high-end sports performance and research out there. So uh, from there, I transitioned and did uh, sports science and strength conditioning work for the Mariners for about four years uh, before deciding to reapply to medical school um, and had a lot at the time, a lot of our primary care sports medicine physicians were osteopathic trained. Uh, so that was my model and uh, you know, ultimately how I uh, got that on my radar and ended up at uh, TCOM. So I had uh, uh, quite a bit of background, but then made it a point to, you know, uh, I guess when I transitioned to medical school, it was different having been out of medical school and or out of school. Uh, college rather and, and working for a bit and being used to be really busy and interacting with people so transitioning to being in the library all the time <laughs> so it was driving me crazy uh, and uh, reached out to some adaptive sports groups and got really involved with Rise Adaptive Sports uh, in the Dallas-Fort Worth area um, and then um, you know met the uh, uh, our shared mentor, Dr. Salad, and, and you guys, um, and kind of found physiatry through that adaptive sports um, side of things, and continue that uh, through residency at University of Washington, and um, then full swing to uh, you know going through the process and looking at Emory. Um, it was just a, a good fit, uh, good mentors like connected with uh, all the, the faculty out there. You know, it was different in that virtual world, um, but uh, really had a sense that we had a, a shared interest in injury prevention, sports performance, and um, 
the uh, uh, the interesting piece for me was the opportunity to go out there and uh, you know many many interesting pieces, but the one of the unique opportunities was to reconnect with the Peak Performance Project and uh, kind of get back into that side of um, sports medicine that I had you know honestly assumed <laughs> it was kind of a, a thing in, in the past, but just kind of the this you know got involved got a lot of relationships going um, and had the good opportunity to find a, a unique and uh, really interesting opportunity. Um, and it, actually at interview day was when they told us that they were offering the two-year track um, and uh, you know combination of things between, uh, <laughs> you know, it was a tough, t wild year for everybody, I think, right? Um, so it, it was an opportunity to get out there. It was a big move for the family. So, um, just seemed like a, a good opportunity to go and really settle in and get the most I could from that experience before coming back. No, that is awesome. And I'm so happy for you. I know you're going to do great things mm -hmm. there as in just the world of PMNR. So, oh, Dr. Flod has joined us. Oh, goodness. <laughs> <laughs> and she said, he said safe that he says safe to do it today as there's no Seahawks. Game uh, a little dig. Yeah. As we knew there wasn't gonna I don't think there's a Cowboys game either, right? No, last time I checked. Yeah. I don't know. Last time they made the playoffs, but um uh, <laughs> sorry, I digress. Um okay, Nicolette, tell us you are more than halfway through your intern year, which is uh, such a big relief. You're halfway there. Um, did you feel like it was a steep learning curve coming out of medical school into becoming a doctor, now being calling doctor? And what advice would you give to him as far as getting ready to prepare for the intern year over this next six months? Yeah, so I do think it was a huge learning curve. Um, I think, especially in PM&R, because our first year, whether you go to an internship or a categorical program, your first year is going to be a lot of foundation, you know, work to prepare you for PM, to learn PM&R and to build your PM&R knowledge on top of that foundation. So you're going to be doing internal medicine. Um, sometimes, you know, as in my program, we do ICU, um, things like neurology, rheumatology, you know, all of those things to set a good foundation, which is awesome. But when you've been doing a fourth year full of PM&R, at least, you know, this year is slightly different because people did a lot of online rotations, um, rotations that, you know, because of COVID, they were kind of, you know, getting rotations that they could have. So maybe this year uh, you all have more experience in the basics. But I know personally, I did so much PM&R my fourth year. And so starting like kind of rewinding and going into internal medicine and things like that, I had to remind myself of a lot of things. Um, I would say my number one advice is you're going to feel like you've forgot everything. The night before your first day, you're gonna think, oh my goodness, I don't know anything anymore. What am I going to do tomorrow? I'm going to show up and I'm not gonna know anything. Like everyone's gonna think I'm dumb and everyone goes through that. So just know that when those thoughts hit, you are normal, everyone is th thinking the same thing. I'm sure even the smartest person in your class is thinking that as well. And so um, something that I talk a lot about just like on my blog is mindset shifts. And so that is one of my biggest you know, tips as to even throughout your entire intern year, you're going to have to do it. I have to do it every, probably a couple times a week is when your brain reverts to 
oh my gosh, I'm so dumb. I don't know anything. This attending thinks I'm stupid. You know, all of those things. You have to kind of reflexively say, wait a minute. I'm here to learn. I'm growing. I have plenty of help. I can't make a mistake if I'm telling my attending everything I know, right? They're going to protect me. They're going to help me. And as long as I am working, you know, as hard as I possibly can, then there's, there's no problem, right? I'm not going to hurt a patient. Nothing bad's going to happen because my attending and I are working hand in hand, right? And so, uh, you know, with that being said, there are things that if you're hiding things from your attending or maybe lying about checking something when you didn't, that's when a patient can get hurt. But if you are being hundred percent honest, you know, oh, I didn't ask that question. You know, I didn't think of that diagnosis. You know, I, I didn't remember that treatment plan. I'm going to look it up. I'm going to study that. You're going to be totally fine. Um, so that would be my absolute number, like number one advice. But I think um, just like going to more tactical advice too, I personally really liked just lightly reviewing online med eds intern guide before I started residency. I, I enjoyed my time, you know, even though it was COVID time, um, I spent a lot of time with my now fiance um, during that time. And I, I enjoyed that. I didn't try to study too much. You know, there's not that time, you're not going to get that time back. Um, and you're not going to have that time to relax ever again, really. But it's okay to, you know, say, oh, every day, maybe I'll go through a module and then I'll go on with my day. So you can have a good balance of maybe reviewing some things before you start, but also really enjoying that time and doing something that you love. Hopefully you guys can, this year's class can do something more enjoyable than like quarantine lockdown. But um, yeah, you guys are gonna be great and it's very nerve wracking, but you'll get through it. Yeah, Nicolette, I think that's a great point and something that we emphasize to our incoming residents at the start of the year. Like when you transition to your RT year and, and rehab, you, you kind of go through that process again, right? Like, yeah, you mm -hmm. know, know some stuff, like have some of you, like I felt super confident in my fourth year in terms of my rehab knowledge. And then, you know, you <laughs> it's just it's just different when you, you get back into it. Mm -hmm. um, and even though it's the stru team structure at most programs is going to change, right? You're going to be the you know, you're the intern, you're the senior, sometimes you're the social worker, you're like, you know, you're the, the point person <laughs> yeah. for everything. Um, so, but you're also never alone, you're right. So there's people you can get to your attendings. And, uh, you know, I think this is a good group to bring that up too, because, you know, Sheena and Venus, you go both in private practices, but you've, uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, but you have unbelievably supportive environments from what I can tell. And, um, you know, I, I imagine that, uh, uh, big one of the biggest things I hear from early career physicians is that that's what you know first couple of years you learn way more than you ever did in internship or residency so mm -hmm. uh, you know I'd be interested to hear with your guys perspective on that idea of like always having some support and being honest with, about, with yourself about what you know and what you don't know absolutely I almost I at least weekly I'm like oh Mark come look at this MRI with me let me this is what I'm thinking are you thinking the same he's like no that's great I'm like okay I'm just checking to make sure I'm on the same path <laughs> and then I have a patient that has a back lift and pump 
I know you guys are minds are blown. Uh, yes, I do. <laughs> but I'm like, <laughs> Lan will come in with me every single time. She's so sweet. <laughs> She's like, press this, this, this. I'm like, Lan's fellow right now. <laughs> I'm like, Lan, I'm like, honestly, you need a bill for this. <laughs> but I'm just doing what you tell me to do, which is amazing. But no, it's very important to have a, um, so true. all the way from intern to private practice to have those people you can bounce off. Even we have a Baylor, our Baylor residents, all nine of so us when we were seniors. <laughs> <Go ahead. laughs> I put out a question the other day and I was like, hey, has anyone seen this? And got some responses. And even Facebook, there's some great even our Facebook groups that people um, post. Um, so there's always resources. And our group is, our field is so small. And just the personality of most of the um, our doctors is we want to help each other out. So there, there will be always someone there, even if, you want to have a small residency program where there's only one other person, there's still other people out there that will, will help out. So. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I, I think, think go, ahead. go ahead. Sorry. I think another important point is like people who get into prelims that maybe, you know, they feel out of place because they're only going to be there for a year and all the staff is internal medicine or, you know, even surgery, if you get into surgery prelim and you, you know, I, I'm at a categorical, but I have friends in prelim programs who say they feel really out of place, right? And I think like going back to those mindset set shifts is just really important. Like get comfortable with being uncomfortable and know that even if those people, you're only gonna know them for a year or you know, every single person, the medical field is actually really small. Like people know each other. You just have to find somebody who you can trust there to ask questions to, to vent to, to, you know, run ideas by, or, you know, just, just to say, I feel lost. I don't know what I'm doing. And so even though you feel like you're going to be there for a short period of time, it's not a waste to make those connections and to rely on those people. Um, Cause I hear, I've, I've been hearing that a lot from other interns. They're like, well, I don't know, like, is it even worth it to, have this person as my mentor to vent to this person because I'm not going to be here that long but it is it's totally you know worth it to have that support absolutely I think there's always, no greater bond than like that intern year right bond. that's You're what I was like, going to say <laughs> yeah. I, I did a prelim year all the way in Brooklyn and I mean I still reach out to some of those people because like Benicia said like your intern year even though you're a prelim at least where I was they still you know thought of me as part of the team and um, kind of those connections will I'll never lose that and so I yeah you can always reach out to them as well so yeah absolutely and I can't stress the importance of really learning and having a good internal medicine foundation mm -hmm. people will probably be have their mind blown at how much internal medicine you will do as a PM&R physician especially on inpatient I don't know about you guys I know like at Baylor we rarely consulted internal medicine it's hard to get them to come over to the hospital if it's not in the same hospital right so um, it's very important to have that basic understanding of internal medicine. All right, should we switch gears and <laughs> our transition? Um, so both of you guys have had to go through some sort of rank list process in the past years, Nicolette with matching into residency and Charles matching into um, fellowship. So what are some important things that our viewers should know about of, you know, when making their rank lists? Yeah, thanks for, um, you know, when I reached out a, a couple weeks ago, I was like, 
you know, I, I just went through all this stress myself, like, and I, you know, used the, ultimately used the same strategy a couple of times, like, I should reach out to them and, you know, hopefully share this and <laughs> save some people uh, some yep. sleepless nights. But, um, you know, for me, both times, uh, and, and the first time, I don't know, one of you guys probably told me to do this, <laughs> to be honest, but uh, when I started looking at programs, you know, before anything, I wrote down like my top three things, just really simplify it, right? Um, <clears throat> so top three things, really tried to reflect that in my personal statement. Uh, and then you start doing the interviews, especially this year with the the virtual interviews. It's uh, you're operating in like two or three time zones in a single day. <laughs> it's you know disorienting and, and more exhausting. I think you're looking at yourself on camera, right? So you're smiling and and, and trying to stay fresh and professional. And dogs are barking and kids are screaming. And <laughs> you know it's just a different year. Um, but uh, uh, you know I did that uh, in residency, to, you know through a normal. Um, interview season uh and then you know when i sat down to reflect on things that was super helpful having those you know three main things um because both for residency and fellowship my favorite program was always the one that i interviewed at last <laughs> so you know we're super fortunate um to be in a gr small field and a growing field and every program you know small big east coast west coast that you know i truly believe, um, and I get a chance through my APMR involvement to talk to people across the country, that there's not a, you know, no um, lack of better term bad programs, right? So every program just has its, uh, you know, strengths and, um, you know, different resources available. Um, so having like before going through the stresses of the interview season, having had written those three things down, or if you haven't done that, to write those three things down, you know, now, and then let that marinate for a week or so. And then when you sit down to really focus on those aspects, whatever they might be, um, and you know, go back, reread your personal statement and, and uh, remind yourself, uh, you know, we get swept up, we forget why we went to medical school in the first place or why we got into physiatry and just remind yourself what those core values were. Um, and uh, for me, both times I did that, created a lot more clarity than when I tried to just look at all the programs or use these different tools that are out there or rank like 30 different variables um, just to keep it simple and try and remember what was really important to you when you started the process. So <laughs> that's my soapbox. Thanks for, thanks for listening. I would agree with all of that. I think, you know, everyone has different priorities. And so it's hard for one person, you know, say my priorities would be different than Charlie's priorities. And so you have to kind of start off naming those things, whether they be two, three things, you know, like Charlie said, and say, these are my number one importance. Maybe you have one thing that you're like, absolutely, this is a non-negotiable. Um, and then you can look at programs based off of that. Personally, I um, thought like what I thought more important Number one was the culture at the program. I think this is gonna be harder this year for people to assess because everything was done virtually. But I still think that through questions, through the residents, which by the way, y'all are still able to ask. If you didn't get to ask certain questions that you wanted to during interviews, you know, most residents are more than happy to get emails from you and answer questions. And one thing that I found extremely important was to ask how easy is it for you to talk to your program director? Or how easy is it for you to talk to your assistant program director, right? 
you have a concern, can you text them? Like, do they text their program director or is it that they have to set up a meeting, wait a week, right? I mean, you should ask those questions because personally, that was a very big reason for me picking San Antonio was that all the residents are like, you just text our program director. If you have a problem like in that second, right? You just send send them a text. Um, and I know other program directors that, that do that as well. So that's important, right? Whereas others may not be um, easy to contact. And then uh, thinking about, do you know what you wanna do in the future or do you not know? So personally, I didn't know exactly. I still don't know exactly what MPMNR I wanna do. I don't kind of see, I don't really see myself doing a fellowship. Um, so for me, having all of my options still available by the time I have to make that decision was important to me. So if you're, you know, like me, then you would want a really well-rounded training that would prepare you to both go into, um, go into a private practice if you wanted, go into a fellowship, go into an academic program, right? You'd want something that prepared you for all three of those. If you know like, oh, I wanna do pain med medicine, I wanna do like spinal cord injury, then that's okay. You can pick a place that's heavy in one of those things, but kind of keeping those up in mind and at the forefront um, is important. And then lastly, I think when picking those things that are important to you, remember the things that are going to make your day-to-day -day life better not the things like getting free food versus like someone else just giving you $5 a week, right? To be honest, that's not gonna make a difference. It may be a nice perk at a, at a program, but that's not going to significantly improve your quality of life while you're in residency. Um, and so I think a lot of those things too end up being very similar. Like if you say, oh, we have unlimited food and this other program just gives you $10 a week or something like, it's really just, negligible at that point. So those are easy things that you can kind of say, that doesn't matter. Let me focus on the, the big reasons why I, or what I want in my day-to-day -day life, what I want in a program. Um, so yeah, I think, you know, it just to kind of end that, the other things I looked for personally was um, quality of didactics. I did interview at a few programs where um, residents were telling me that they were kind of just left on their own for didactics. And I really liked places that had structured didactics, that invited lecturers, that had a lot of support there, had people come in, you know, do board prep with them. Um, so I looked for that. And then of course, location was important to me as well. And so those are kind of how I made my rank list. Yeah, I think uh, uh, just to echo that, that point about the breadth of training, um, that was something that was important to me, uh, you know, in the residency, just from, I had a strong sports background, but, you know, found physiatry in medical school and, and really wanted to be able to explore the, the full field. Um, and, you know, on paper, my resume looks like a pretty linear route to this, <laughs> you know, the sports medicine fellowship, but uh, I was, you know, really looked into everything and was uh, other than you know being from the northwest the huge draw to, to my program was having that uh, early exposure to all, all different uh, parts of the field and then uh, similarly uh, when I like, committed to sports medicine I was thinking more um, 
my vision was a little bit more narrowed. And then uh, I think something the pandemic really highlighted for me was again, that importance of the breadth of the experience and um, you know, having a broad skill set. Uh, and certainly you know, there's people like Benicia who do, do a little everything, um, you know, they'll be in the floral suite and then covering the inpatient unit and doing, doing, uh, uh, you know, jack of all trades type deal. Master of none. I was going to say jack of all trades, master of none. Master, <laughs> master of none. <laughs> you know, someone in their spare time who, who goes and lectures the community and then uh, to medical students in the afternoon. <laughs> um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, the, the, the short story there is just, you know, seeing when I saw things like shut down, like right as I was, um, you know, writing my personal statement, doing all these things, I was like, okay, like I want to um, be prepared for, for any scenario, um, not to be, <laughs> not to be bleak about it, but just, uh, you, you don't know where, where you're going to start. You know, that's another thought I had when you were talking to Nicolette, like, um, use we, we talk about like what are your values now but the part that's a little bit hard is you got to project like what your values are going to be mm-hmm. in four years like you know Nicolette you, congratulations on your you know, engagement very recently uh, <laughs> thank you I have I have two kids that I didn't have at the start of residency yeah. so you know your life your life changes, changes. Mm-hmm. when you get into residency like you, you know if you were outside of medicine it's just a period in your life kind of transitioning from your 20s to your 30s typically that uh uh it's kind of a, a transition <clears throat> time in your life uh, under normal circumstances, then you pile on uh, some uncertainty with the match process and things like that. But, you know, it's a, it's, it's a f- fun journey and um, yeah. yeah. Uh, um, and then to, uh, you know, piggyback on what Nicolette said as well, um, you know, definitely reach out. I think this is, most people are probably done with their interviews at this point, if not, maybe have one more session. Um, I know I reach out and the piece of advice I always like to give is like be specific and then also be like reflective in it too, right? Like uh, in that email when you're reaching out and say, hey, this is my goal. Uh, this is what you offer. And this is my question. Like just really try and narrow it down because A, I think that communicates like your genuine interest and in, in that you've like sat back and thought about it. And B, it's just more helpful for you because um, you're going to get, uh, by asking a better, more specific question, you're going to get a more honest um, and insightful answer. So just uh, some more food for thought there. Yeah, and, and actually then to piggyback off of what you said, keep your emails very professional um, remember that even more so than ever, your, you know, their the program's view of you is strictly what they've seen via your application. You know, everything has been di- virtual. Everything has been digital, um, and so that's how they know you. So make sure to you know address residents. Everything as doctor. I would you know double check for spelling errors. Make sure you're being very respectful. Put your AAMC ID at the bottom. Like do all the things to make it look very professional because that is important it's not a text message it's a a very formal way of communicating with people at the program and i would say don't ask a question that was very easily looked up on the website (laughs) right because (laughs) sheena and i actually get this often people will um hit us up with questions and we're like well clear you didn't watch a podcast please refer (laughs) to episode 17. (laughs) well there's some truth to it like how charles was saying that you know when you are saying an email be direct and show that you have put some thought into it. You know, mm-hmm. don't be so general, like, hey, I'm interested in PMR. What do I need to do? Mm. It's not mm-hmm. Google. 
<laughs> you know, be exactly. a little bit more specific. Show, you know, whoever you so are asking. People, yeah. yeah. So, hey, I looked on the website. I noticed that you guys have didactic systems and this. I was wondering, is there room for, you know, X, Y, and Z? And because that shows mm. you've done your research, you've looked at it. So, and you have a very specific question you're asking. And even, you know, when we were residents, um, our program coordinator actually would print out the emails that medical students uh, sent to our program director and like put it in the file for the, the you know, the applicant. So uh, everything you do is, is part of your, you know, your whole resume and your package. So be professional with all your interactions with everyone within the program. So. Yeah, and you'll be surprised um, that how, I guess people didn't get to do rotations like they wanted to, but residents, at least at our firm, pretty, had a pretty big say of the rank list. And I, it's probably there at most programs. When you're a chief, you get to sit in on the rank list program where the um, other residents don't. But I know Sheena and I, we took into account everyone's opinion. So we had our own rank list as residents that we were able to bring to the meeting. Like, hey, this is what the residents thought. So um, it holds a little bit of stock. So be professional with everybody. I mean, every, every program is gonna be, be different in terms of like those logistics. Mm -hmm. um, but, uh, you know, I think when it comes down to with the residents, right? Like all, all you really care about is like, you want somebody who's gonna be positive, they're gonna be a good teammate and they're gonna be accountable. Um, so you know, this year's, you know, how you communicate that has been a little different and, you know, I empathize with everybody, uh, you know, <laughs> having gone through that myself uh, with the virtual interviews this year, but, um, you know, the simple way to do that is, like you said, just, just uh, take care of the simple stuff, like Nicolette said, you know, just uh, be professional, be precise. Um, you know, when we had our, our TCOM, like, pre-interview uh, session with everybody, um, just like the alumni group there. Um, uh, probably some people on this call remember my my rant, my soapbox from that session, but uh, that was like this this thing that we talked about a little bit that comes up, like what's the culture of the program? And I think that's a, a good question, but I don't think it's very specific and it's gonna mean something very different to everybody. So I think, if that's something you're still trying to clarify, I would, um, you know, spend some time thinking what culture means to you and what parts of those things are important. I think Nicolette's example of like, you know, accessibility um, to mentors and and our program director, I think that's a, um, you know, pretty specific thing that, uh, you know, means uh, something specifically in terms of like program culture and, and support. Um, so, you know, again, just when you reach out, you know, have thought through it like you would. Um, and, uh, you know, the more specific you can be, the better the information that you're gonna get. Yep. That's great advice, yeah. Um, we're going to open up the questions on audience in just a second. I know we already have some both on Instagram and on Facebook. Um, but did any of you guys make any last minute changes to your rank list? And would you advise people to do this or not to do this? I did not. Um, I had like, so my number one, I, I solidified you know, later in the year and said, this is my number one. And I didn't change that after that. But there were there were programs underneath that that I was kind of switching around until maybe a couple weeks before. But um, I even set a rule for myself that like the day before, all I would do was log on to make sure that it was actually there, but no changes were allowed to be made. Like, because 
I feel like my, at least me personally, I know myself. I know that I have a tendency to overthink things, especially when under pressure. And so I didn't even allow myself to touch it. I was like, you cannot click the edit button. You can only log on and make sure that everything is there. Um, and, you know, I, but I, I know other people who did, and I think it's just a preference, but you should probably plan in advance. Like, I'm not going to let myself change this. Yeah, in terms of uh, uh, last minute changes, um, I don't remember, certainly in the weeks like coming up to it, yes, but you know, both times I was married and uh, you know, this time we had the family. So, uh, you know, we sat down pretty seriously a couple of times and said, hey, are we like ready for this big move across the country? Um, things like that. And uh, you know, once we set it, it was, it was pretty well set. And I think again, one thing that helped with that was uh, having had that like, um, you're trying to simplify the the two or three things that were uh, most valuable for that experience in my education, whether it was residency or fellowship, uh, really helped, uh, you know, solidify and give confidence to that. But it's just so weird, right? Because, you, you know, it's kind of a, a preference list, but I think ultimately, like, it always ends up how it's supposed to be. And like I said, I, I'm a firm believer that there's no... Um, no program that wouldn't be a good fit or you know the we're blessed to work in this field where there's so many people who reach out and help you out and promote you and elevate you so um it, just have some faith in the process i guess would be <laughs> the the lost sleep is not uh, not worth it at the end of the day because you know you've already done uh, i tried to say this every day every interview day you've already done all the hard work right like this is um uh, you know, should be a time to kind of celebrate all that work and, and look forward to the future. Because uh, really, I think in most cases, there's not any bad outcomes. I agree. Yeah, all programs are really great for PMNR. And it's such a small field that we all interact and talk and residency. And I tell people this, like residency is not it's fun, but like you are going to work hard no matter where you go. And every residency, every resident will have the same complaints. So there's plenty of times like we would complain, but that's residency. That's what you're here to do is to learn and to work hard. Um, and so, yeah, I would take, that's going to lead us to some of the questions that we have. Um, someone asked on Instagram, what role do letters of intent play? Good question. So, I know this is probably you know, something that's very individual for people. Um, I think in, in broad strokes, um, you know, if you're gonna tell somebody that you're ranking them number one, only you know, make sure that that's honest and make sure that you've made up your mind. <laughs> um, so it's something that I did both times, um, but just because of the circumstances um, around, you know, both residency and then fellowship, I was, uh, um, you know. For residency was being close to family and like i said i haven't brought exposure and then um some really unique uh research or research and mentorship opportunities for fellowship um that i had you know kind of predetermined it was like yes beyond any doubt that's that's where i am and, and, you know that might have been the 11th hour <laughs> and i sent it uh last minute but i made sure that i had uh um you know, had that discussion with my family and um, that we we're uh, open, open to any outcome. And, you know, uh, so it's, it's uh, something I've done. Um, uh, but, you know, I, I think the, the overarching wisdom is don't overcommit yourself either. 
Mm -hmm. I think, yeah, I, I think the same thing. Um, I personally did send a letter of intent to my number one program. Um, but, I'll, you know, as always, and as Charlie said, you have to be honest. So don't send it until you know for sure that's your number one that you're ranking. Um, and then I think another important distinction there is some people have trouble like with the difference between thank you notes and letters of intent. So a thank you note, you can send that to anyone who is open to communication. If they tell you not to send communication, do not do that. But if they say, oh, here's my email, you guys free, feel free to email me. It's totally okay to send thank you note. Um, and thank you email for just thank you for the interview. I like talking with you about XYZ, but a letter of intent is specifically saying I'm ranking you number one or you're my top program. Um, and so be ca very careful when you send that, that should go to one program who you're truly ranking first. Yes, don't send it to two or three or four because <laughs> that, <will, laughs> that will leave a bad taste. And, and, and people can find out, so. Yes. And yeah, and and we, Sheen and I both know of an experience like that, and it left a bad taste in um, some mouth. So don't do that. So for me, I sent my top three programs. Um, hey, like I'm ranking you highly, but my number one program, which is Bakeler, was the only program. It's like, hey, I'm ranking you number one. This is where I want to go. Um, I think something else I can tell you. I had they tell you not, you know, you're not supposed to have any communication, but. Some re sometimes residents from other programs you've interviewed at, they might interview like, hey, do you have any questions? We enjoyed having you, let us know. Um, and I think if a program reaches out to you and says something like that, I think chances are they're probably ranking you pretty high as well. So that's something to consider. Um, All right, Dr. Salad has a few um, questions. So first one is, when doing your rank list, how much advice is too much? So he has students that come up to him all the time but so many things people have told him, some good, some mythical is what he says. So how many people did you vet this all with when, when actually making your own rank list? So personally, I talked it through with my now fiance because we had plans to you know, be engaged and married and we knew that that was an important factor in our relationship, but he was the only person I really took you know, rank, true rank list advice from. Um, of course, I asked residents specifics about their program, right, um, to, to make that decision myself, but um, I, didn't, I didn't take in true rank list advice from anyone else. We just had a serious discussion, my fiance and I, so. Yeah, I would say, you know, similarly, um, both times was kind of like having a list and then sitting down with my wife and talking through that. Um, you know, most of the like post interview questions I asked just, um, I was uh, more so for fellowship just because I had the two kids and you know, here where we are, we have a lot of family support. So I was just, I don't know what people give as advice, but I was just always very honest about my family situation, especially looking at, you know, busy sports fellowships where I'm going to be spending, you know, oftentimes multiple times a week covering a, a game or something like that. Um, so I asked some very like specific pointed questions to the program or, um, you know, about uh, 
or reached out to recent fellows who had kids and could try to get a sense sense for that and the support. And um, it, yeah, I would say most of my post interview questions to programs revolved around that, like what kind of neighborhoods do people live in, um, what are the GME resources um, for that. Um, but uh, yeah, we, we kind of kept the the bubble pretty small. I think um, you know if somebody came up to me, I'd give them that advice that I've said a couple times. You know, like what were those things? Go back, read your personal statement, um, and try to simplify it as much as possible. Yeah, I think to piggyback off that, if somebody is giving you like specific advice, someone other than you know, of course, like your family or, or people who are actively involved in this decision. But if someone's giving you specific advice, like, oh, you should rank this program over this program, ask yourself why they're maybe giving you that advice. Um, maybe they're at that one of those programs and they really want you and that's awesome, but that doesn't necessarily mean you have to take that advice and implement it. So, um, you know, no harm in listening to people who just offer their advice to you, but the decision, you know, comes down to what you're gonna want. You're gonna spend, you know, three to four years here, depending on if you're categorical or advanced. And this is very important. This should be a personal decision for you. Um, and it, it definitely shouldn't have anything to do with prestige either, because I know, you know, a lot of the times people are like, oh, well, I hear this program's more prestigious than this program. And that definitely, you know, doesn't, we all know the doximity rankings just change right. all the time anyways, <laughs> you know, so it should be personalized to what you feel is important and what you and your family or whoever else is, is, you know, going to live that with you. Um, that should be number one. Yep. Agree. 100%. Yeah. I think, uh, sorry, knocked over my mic there. Um, kind of the, the common thread there is like, you know, there's a, you still do your, your research, right? Like, um, we talked about before, you know, still opportunity to, ask questions um, and I think you know I, most people are going to be pretty honest with you at least in you know my experience as an applicant and then um, certainly I um, make a point during our interviews as chief to you know I don't try to sugarcoat things about some of the challenges you know cost of living in a big city um, you know the differences uh, of you know somewhere like uh, um, you know, and Benicia where you were where you have three in your class and there's rotations where you're all in the same workroom versus you know, we're often spread across four hospitals and um, you know just the, the challenges that, that come with some of that um, but uh, just just differences really I mean it's uh, most people will be honest um, with you and you know ask specific and pointed questions and like I said you're going to get good answers and um, hopefully it clarifies things for you. But uh, like Nicolette said too, um, you know, everything grain of salt and, um, <laughs> you know, it's, it's uh, uh, you know, reflect and, and, and be uh, specific and thoughtful, but, you know, don't dwell and <laughs> don't go down the rabbit hole too much because it's going to be a, a journey and, and you'll have fun no matter what. Um, okay, one question is what, how much stock should students put into what other residents tell them like, hey, we think highly of you, hope you think highly of us too. Did I tell anybody that? Oh, one person. <laughs> Maria Polifron. <laughs> I, you guys, I loved Maria so much. I told Dr. Hamilton, I said, if Maria doesn't come here, I'm quitting residency tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. 
don't know, Charlie, can you, since you, you know, helped with a lot of the recruiting and stuff as a, as a PGY4, can you speak to that a little bit? Yeah, I think, um, I don't know, I, I had a pretty unique experience um, to that regard. Um, you know, I, uh, uh, the program where I'm at, I had, a, you know, it's the only program in the region <laughs> near my my family. So I'd put a lot of stock in like trying to get a, a audition or away rotation there and was denied for that rotation. So like mentally that was a weird spot, but I'd been rotating with Dr. Slot with you, uh, Sheena. And then you, you know, both of you guys was like went every way to help facilitate getting me over to, um, you know, do the rotation at Baylor. And, um, you know, I had art when I was doing my rotation there because of being involved and doing a lot of volunteer work and meeting you guys. Um, you know, when I was rotating there, I already knew seven out of nine of the residents. Um, and so I was, uh, I say that just in, in terms of like, um, you know, I knew a lot of people on a personal level before a professional level um, when rotating over there. Uh, so, uh, you know, the, the extent of those relationships were different than if it was somewhere for two weeks or, or four weeks. Um, and this year, you know, <laughs> I think, you know, a lot of people were, were challenged to get um, really uh, intricate uh, relationships. I mean, I had a lot of people reach out over social media, which I thought was awesome. It was great to, um, you know, uh, shoot around there. <laughs> um, but um, I don't know, again, everything with a grain of salt, but if it's somebody that uh, you have a good relationship with and you can honestly like step back and say, hey, I worked really hard and I was a good teammate. Um, you know, I think it's, I don't think anybody will say that. Like, I don't know why you would like maliciously, no one's gonna like lie to you and, <laughs> and tell you they liked you just to, to make you feel good. That's not, I don't think gonna happen. Um, but uh, also just being realistic and realize that uh, you know, some programs there may be a lot of resident input, others might not have any. And um, yeah, I don't, I don't know if yeah. a clear answer <laughs> if that was helpful. No, no, it could, I agree, not. it could go both ways. Cause yeah. I, right, <laughs> like I had yeah. a, non-AC Jamie um, sports and fellowship, fine, yeah. um, fellowship program director told me he was going to match me and didn't so, right. so <laughs> make, your, make your list based on your personal stuff don't let anyone else influence it don't you know that's the good thing about the match is the match favors the applicant I think you know um, unless something has drastically changed so and I you know make your rank list based on what personal qualities you're looking for, those two or three things that um, Nicolette and Charles had talked about. So, yeah. Well, and again, and I think, shout out. Sorry, I, was, I was exactly going to, oh, what were you going to oh, say? God. I just want to say shout out to Dr. Um, Monica Verduzco Gutierrez. She's on. She said, hi, guys. Oh, hi. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was <laughs> going to echo, you know, what uh, Sheena said is, it's great if, if you're getting residents tell you that, oh, we really like you and we'd love to have you here you should just take that as a positive that you impressed them. You did a great job. Your something on your application or your interview was really good. So take that as a compliment and you should feel good about yourself, but it shouldn't influence where you rank them. Um, and you're also never pressured to tell them and like, you don't have to give them any indication as to like, Oh, Oh, thanks. I'm ranking you guys highly. Or like, you can just say, thank you so much. That means a lot to me. 
Um, and you know, they're not looking for you to tell them where you're ranking them either. They may just truly be impressed by you and want to tell you that. Um, but still, you know, you're, I, I got some of the best advice from Dr. Salad when I was making a rank list saying like, you know, but am I going to let certain people down if I rank a program over another program? And, and he was like, yeah, but Nicolette, you're going to be somewhere for three to four years. Like that's not a decision to make over letting someone down because they really liked you, you know, mm-hmm. um, and wanted you there. And so I think that's the way to think about it. Take it as a compliment, but still make your rank list how you want it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Totally yeah, the way I kind of navigated that, um, like uh, Nicola, you made a great point of like, there's been like, thank you and love letter. So like in my, uh, like thank yous, like pretty much universally, um, you know, particular fellowship, I think it was a little more generic and residency, but for fellowship, I was like, hey, here are the XYZ reasons why I think this would be a good fit. And everywhere I interviewed, like I said, I, I thought it would have been a, been a great fit. <clears throat> um, so I like, you know, communicated what particular parts of my interests I thought matched up well, and they had the, the support and resources um, to help me in, in my professional goals there. Uh, but there were, you know, uh, there was only one place where you know, I said, hey, like, this is the, the top choice. And I think, uh, again, you know, small field, great um, uh, history of people reaching out and helping each other. And I think, you know, even though it seems like this one, like, finite moment in time, like, match day, you open up your letter and that's it. Like, uh, no, you know, you're going to come across these people again. Just the beginning. Just the beginning. Um, <laughs> you, know, you know, Dr. Hamilton had written uh, one of my letter of recommendations, and a couple years later, I'm on an APMNR committee with her, um, you know, co-residents, people you interviewed with um, are going to be your co-residents. Yeah. Um, so it's a, a small community and um, a very supportive community as well. So never hesitate to, to reach out. And like I said, even though it seems like this snapshot, like you're gonna get your email at uh, you know, nine o'clock on the West Coast and, and then the rest of your life is predetermined and over. No, it's, uh, um, you're gonna you run into people like you guys that are gonna be close contacts for a long time. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> Dr. Um, Monica, wants to know why is everyone ranking UT Health San Antonio number one? <laughs> um, Dr. Slot asked another quick quick question. He said, is attending the AAPNR conference helpful as an MS4? When it was I found live, it very helpful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I found it very helpful when it was live. Um, I think, was it them who sent an email saying this next year, I think they're gonna try to do it in person or they're planning it so far. But um, I do. I think you any connections you make help. And I, I tell this to people too, that this year, it, that doesn't change. I mean, the, the way that you make those connections change, but just because things are virtually, you can still make those. And so if you go to say the, if the conference ends up being virtual, or if it, you know, I think it was virtual this past year, and you met someone virtually on there, or listen to someone's talk that you like, you can always try to reach out to them um, and make that connection, right? Um, so I think that those conferences are great for meeting people with similar interests as you, people who've done research in a field that you're interested in doing research. I think it's extremely helpful. And, you know, even just the residency fairs, um, if, if this is a, if this does become in person this next year, um, one thing that I did was on the residency at the residency fairs, I set 
okay, I'm going to go see everyone who I interviewed with and every, who I already interviewed with and tell them like, hey, great to see you again. Nice to see you, blah, blah, blah. And then also go see anyone who I haven't yet interviewed with that I either wanted to or had an upcoming interview with. Um, because then I could also introduce myself and say, oh, I have an interview with you on this date or I don't have an interview with you, but I'm interested. Um, and so that really, really helps. Um, and when you do that, having key points, like Charlie mentioned earlier, to actually talk about, um, because you can just walk up, you know, at those kind of things, you can walk up and just say, hey, I'm interested in, in your program because those are more casual, but it, it makes you stand out if you have a specific topic you want to talk about or a question you want to talk about. I agree. Um, we got about three minutes before we have to wrap up. <laughs> this hour went by so fast. It did went by quickly. Um, Sheena, I'm gonna stole your question. Do you, uh, <laughs> no, I'm oh, well, <laughs> I'll do it. I'm sorry. Um, we asked you guys this question last time, what you would be if you wouldn't be a PMR physician. Has your answers changed from last time? <laughs> I don't remember what I said, but it was probably that I would be a nutritionist. Yes. And that, yeah. And I mm -hmm. wouldn't change that. Yeah. yeah. That's typically my answer. Like that's typically yeah. because that, it does pretty consistent. I was a nutrition major. I'd probably be a nutritionist. Yeah. yeah. I guess similar. that's if I couldn't be a physician at all. But yeah. Yeah, I can't remember specifically what I said, but usually I either say like I'd be back to being a, a strength coach and mm -hmm. sports scientist, or I say that I'd be like a ski guide. Um, <laughs> oh, you get one. So that's a new one. Yeah, I think cool. last time yeah. you said. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think you know, either either falling back on the old skill set, or you know, right now I'm up in the, I'm up in the mountains. So I'm a little bit biased towards uh towards that. And um, you know, speaking of like your, your rankless regrets, uh, you know, I don't think there's many mountains or or, or uh, snow in Atlanta, but. <laughs> um, but like I said, I went back to those, those three things and, um, you know, having, having the ski resorts there, uh, you know, wasn't necessarily, uh, it wasn't tying, one of the tying, it's not too far from the Smoky goals, Mountains, right? It's, it's not that far yeah, of a drive. Yeah. I mean, we'll probably, you know, get up there cross country ski somewhere in, in a few hours, but, um, but yeah, I mean, uh, you know, it's something that at one point I thought about is like, you know, this, uh, a big part of like how my family connects and bonds um but uh, at the end of the day like some of that stuff wasn't in the you know those top three things that i had outlined and mm -hmm. um you know it's about uh, the long long-term goals and <laughs> um, long-term goals you know and like you said we'll, we'll get out into the appellations and, and play around a little bit and and uh you know make some new discoveries new adventures there you go all right well thank you guys so much it was so nice to catch up and we um, look forward to kind of seeing where you guys end up and we'll always follow your careers and we're here if anything ever pops up and we can help in any way. So um, if any of our viewers have any questions as to rank lists or anything else, PMR or life related, how um, can they get a hold of you? So my Instagram is nicolette.life. So just N-I-C-O-L-E-T dot L-I-F-E. And you guys can message me um, there and we, can talk about pretty much anything. I have about uh, 10,000 less followers than Nicolette, but uh, <laughs> my, uh, my professional accounts are uh, at C underscore uh, Kenyan Dio, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> um, both uh, um, Instagram and uh, Twitter. 
but then my email is cdk4 at uw.edu and that's uh, publicly available on our residency website as well. So um, I told a lot of people to, to reach out. Um, surprisingly few have, <laughs> but uh, like I said, it's a, it's still still an open door and we got a couple weeks left and um, uh, you know, don't be too scared to hope I don't scare anyone off about asking questions, <laughs> just trying to provide positive feedback, just, you know, be specific and I'll, I'll be honest with you, so. Awesome. Thanks, guys. We appreciate you for tuning in and we will be back in two weeks. Bye. Awesome. Good to see everybody. Thanks.